Thank you for joining us today on the Annex Podcast, hosted and presented by the Building Christian Fellowship. At the building, we build our faith, hope, and love in Jesus by having a real, relevant relationship with Him. And what better way for us to get closer to God than to learn more about Him through His Word? We pray you enjoy this message. So, okay, you guys know Pastor John, he, 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 he preached on Sunday, he preached on Tuesday, he went to Seattle, he preached five times within two days at a men's conference. He comes back, gets off the airport, get, get it from the airport, Pastor picked him up from, with hashtag church bus, hashtag church bus, got in the church bus, came, came back, he put his luggage down at the door and began to just do a bunch of stuff around the house. Like literally this guy has not sat down. And then after that, he's been in phase two from like, the, the breaking of dawn until the setting down of the sun. I mean, like, literally, I've, once phase two is done, I'll be happy to have my husband back. Like, that's, that's how things are going right now. And it's literally, he's nothing but an evidence. He's a living, breathing evidence of the grace of God on his life. Like, that's nothing but the grace of God. And I know I'm blessed to have such an amazing, strong man and husband. And... Um, so I just feel really blessed for our church to have such an amazing, amazing pastor. Can you guys just say a big God bless you, Pastor John? We love you so much. We appreciate your sacrifice. We appreciate. In one week, we have three birthdays in our family. Judah's birthday is on the 15th. JR's birthday is on the 18th of August. And Heaven's birthday is on the 20th. All in one week in August. So in August is literally like, if anybody has a can of beans to throw us, like, please, we'll take the can of beans. Like, we're, we're operating on fumes in August. Like, it's, it's no joke. It's always been like that. Three, three babies in one week in August. It's just, it's a lot. So while the, the guys were away in Seattle, heaven has a birthday party. Because, you know, none of the kids are like, you know what, mom, it's fine. I know there's three of us. Oh, no. Heaven's like, I want a pool party. I want a mermaid there. I want to have a fairy. I want to have music, circus animals, ponies. I mean, like, she's like, I want it all. It's my birthday. So praise God for the Herndon estate. I decided, you know, we'll just do a pool party, have a couple of girls over. You don't need decorations when you go to the Herndon's house. It's like, it is, the house is the decorations. Like, voila, pool. Like, there it is. It's like done. So she's happy. So they come back, and Judah's like, I want to have a family barbecue with JR for my birthday. So he just wants to be with his big brother, wants to have family get together for his birthday. He loves family. Praise God, son. No problem. I know dad will be just getting back from Seattle, but it's fine. It's just a couple of family members. No problem, son. All right. So about uh, a weekend, we find out Judah got a little trigger happy, invited everybody in the world. <clears throat> so it goes from like 10 people to, you know, 110. I don't know. <sighs> so pastor's like, it's Okay. It's okay, we can do this. All I'm going to do, I'll season the meat before I go to Seattle. You know, and I put it in my smoker. Actually, you know what? I'm going to get a brand new smoker. I'm like, oh, wow. I mean, he got this smoker. He's like, I am ready. I mean, this, you go outside and the smoker, it seemed like it was like playing music. It was like, ah, ah. I mean, like it, it, it was like glass. It had like writing on it. I'm like, dude, this is a smoker of all smokers. And Pastor John's like, that's right. I'm going to make this happen for my boys. I'm going to smoke like 13,000 racks of ribs. And my brand new smoker is going to be amazing, right? All right, cool. So he comes back from Seattle. Soon as he gets in the door, because now we know that the uh, invite list is about 110 people, he puts his suitcase down at the door. He puts on his work boots. He go instantly goes outside and starts mowing the lawn. Now he's in the backyard cutting down the weeds because we can't let all the people see the weeds, you know, he, so he has to go cut them down. <laughs> then he has to season the meat. 
the, the, the ribs that were frozen when he went to Seattle. He had to unthaw those, freeze, uh, season those, then puts them in the smoker. Well, the next day is Sunday, and that's where the, the party is on Sunday. So he's like, okay, it's okay, because what I'm going to do is I'm going to set my alarm three times in the night so I can get up three times in the middle of the night to go check on the smoker and turn the ribs. But it's okay. And then on Sunday, I'm going to preach a fire, Holy Ghost-filled message. It's fine. And then I'm going to come home, pull the meat out the smoker, we'll serve the meat. No problem. Perfect plan, right? Until we find out, roll back and roll that beautiful bean footage, look at the security camera, the smoker caught on fire. The smoker couldn't take it. The smoker was like, ah. Pastor was overwhelmed and the smoker was overwhelmed. The smoker's like, I'm out of here. The smoker literally caught on fire. It blew up, you guys, in the middle of the night while we're sleeping. While one of those times that he went out to check it, it's in flames. So what does, smoker, what does Pastor John do? He opened the door, try to save the ribs because the people are coming. The people are coming. We got to have ribs because the people, all the people are coming. So what does Pastor do? He opens up the door to the smoker that is now on fire. Air hits the fire. I don't know. Is there any firemen in the house? Yeah. Where's our brother Melvin? Uh, Air hits the the fire. What happened? Now there's an explosion. But once again, we see the grace of God on Pastor John's life because he still has eyebrows. I mean, who can explain that? God says, my grace is sufficient, son. I got you with the eyebrows. So Pastor John still has eyebrows. He closes it real quick because he's like, okay, that's not going to work but the smoker is still engulfed in flames. Got to do something. He's like, I should call the fire department, but I think I can handle this. All right. So he goes into plan B, plan C. It was, I think it was plan D that actually worked. I'm not sure exactly what happened, but he grabbed these big giant tongs and he did something that to let the fire go down and he tried to pull out and save the ribs because it was all about, at this point, save the ribs, man. Like, please save the ribs. Save the ribs, man. So he pulls out the ribs and we come down, because now we're getting ready for church. All this has happened in the night. We don't know it, but we all wake up and see a big stack of crispy, burnt, charred ribs. Whoa, what's going on? He's like, there was an issue. <laughs> At this point, he's frazzled, but he's taking a shower. He's ready to come to Sunday service and preach. He didn't even say anything about the, bunk, the, uh, the, the smoker that blew up. I, I, I don't know. I think he was just still in shock because he just preached the message on Sunday. Usually, you guys know Pastor John. He tells all his business, but he didn't. He didn't tell you guys about the smoker last Sunday, but that was on his mind because he was thinking as he's preaching, he's like, and the smoker blew up and the people are coming to eat these burnt up ribs. I know that's what he was thinking, but whatever. So I get home. Now, every single person that came, because of course, every person that was invited came. So as they all filed in, there is a big giant stack of crispy, charred, burnt up ribs on the counter like, welcome, please come in. Yes, <laughs> come into our party. We're so glad that you're here. And then so of course now plan B is he has to use his little campfire grill that's like the size of like, I mean, it looks like, like it's Judah's toy or something. Like it's small. He could fit like three pieces of corn on there at a time. And as I'm looking at him, because the people are coming and they're hungry, I'm like, come on, Pastor, can you pump this out a little bit faster <laughs> as he's turning the little three pieces of corn on the little bitty tiny grill. And I could see it all over his face. And all I was thinking was, I wish I could help you. And me being his wife, I mean, even though he was greeting the people as they came in and he was trying to do the small talk, he wanted to hide. I could tell. It was all over his face, like, how do I just run away and hide? This dude, he's, his last name is Butcher, okay? So how he grills and smokes his meat, he takes a lot of pride in that, dude. And everybody that came in, dude, you can't hide. The ribs was not 
on a fire. It was on fire. And as I'm looking at him, sweating bullets, trying to, you know, comfort him, it's okay, babe. It's gonna, I know those ribs are probably gonna taste really, really good. It's not even gonna matter that they're crispy. And as I'm looking at him, I'm thinking, why did we do this? <laughs> like, what part of this plan was good to do on a Sunday? You're coming back from Seattle. You preached five times in two days, and we got 110 people coming on a Sunday after you just preached Bible study. And, and on Sunday, you're like, whose idea was this, and why did we do it? And it was love. Love made us do it. Like, love does that. When you love somebody, it doesn't matter how hard it sounds or how hard it's going to be. You're like, it's fine. I'll do it. I don't care. The title of today's message is, I love you this much. I love you this much. I want you to turn your Bibles to John chapter 21, 15 through 17. We'll, we'll talk about Jesus. Enough about Pastor John. We'll talk about Jesus. John 21, 15 through 17, and it says this. And when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him again a second time, Simon, Simon son of Jonah, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him then a third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Well, Peter was grieved at this point, of course, because, you know, Peter's always mad. Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. Very key phrase there. Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Well, Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Love makes you do things that aren't always convenient. And Jesus knew that his disciples had just finished walking with him with a period of time, but that didn't mean they loved him. And I think it was very interesting when Jesus was asking Peter over and over again, not, hey, what'd you learn when you followed me? Hey, did you see how I handled conflict? He didn't say any of that. He just wanted to know, do you love me? And it's interesting because when you read that passage, and if you go a little further in your own personal Bible study, because I know you guys all do that. When you read a little further, you'll see that Jesus was asking him that because of what was ahead for Peter. And it's interesting because Peter didn't know what was ahead of him, but Jesus did. And Jesus just needed to know, I know what's ahead of you is going to be hard. Like, dude, it's literally like walking uphill backwards. So I just need to know one question. Do you love me? We've all heard the saying before, just because you come to church don't make you a Christian. Just like standing in a garage don't make you a Cadillac. Marrying somebody and being married to somebody for a lot of years doesn't necessarily mean that you are in love. And Jesus knew this. We've had a relationship. You've walked with me. You've seen me. I've taught you. I've even rebuked you. I've corrected you. I chastised you. I challenged you. But that doesn't mean you love me. Jesus really knows how to ask the right questions at the right time because only Jesus knew the kind of future Peter was going to have. And only Jesus knew that it was always going to be love that will always pull him back to where he needs to be. It's always love. 
It's always love that'll keep you from hiding at a barbecue. It's love that'll keep you when you're on fire and you think your eyebrows are gone. It's love that'll keep you, I gotta save the ribs. It's always love. Because a lot of times and a lot of things in our life, things come up, man, and we start doing this whole, whole like mental, spiritual, emotional way system. It's like, hold on, is this worth it? I mean, we've all been in situations like that. Like, hold up, first of all, how'd I get here? And two, is this all worth it? Why am I doing all of this? And if there's no love involved, a lot of times you won't stay. And so a lot of times we have to ask ourselves, we have to ask our spouse, we have to ask our own, you know, whoever, do you love me? Because love will always pull you back. When things get hard, when things get inconvenient, when things catch on fire and blow up, sometimes we can forget the purpose of the whole situation. We can forget our goals. We can forget our assignment. We can forget our calling. But it's always love that will pull us back. But love will always pull us back. And listen, I want you guys to turn to Isaiah chapter 61 verses one through four. I've said this many times, and if you've heard me preach other times, I bring up this scripture a lot, because literally, if you are able to write anything down, if you don't take notes, that's totally fine, but if you can write down this scripture, because I believe that this scripture should be an anthem to every single Christian, like this is something that we should be so familiar with. This is our goal. This is our purpose. This is our assignment right here in Isaiah 61, one through four. Let's read it. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil, for joy, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord that he may be glorified. And they shall rebuild the old ruins. They shall raise up the former dissolutions and they shall repair the ruined cities, the desolations of many generations. Who is they? Guys, wheeze is they. Wheeze is they. We are the they that they're talking about. We are. See, it's, it's something different when Jesus is our hype man. Like you got to be careful when you're about to take the stage, but Jesus comes up first and be like, let me tell you about Kaya. Kaya, Kaya, on fire. I mean, like, I'm just saying, when Jesus is our hype man and he starts talking about all the things that he's called us to do and all the things that we're going to walk in and what we're going to do and how we're going to slay the demons, how we're going to step on their head, we're going to do this, we're going to heal the sick, we're going to set the people free, we're going to do this, They're gonna be, their hearts are going to be on fire with the Holy Ghost. And you're thinking, whoa, 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 man, like what? Jesus is your hype man. And he's saying in Isaiah 61 and 1 and 4 that use is the they. You are going to do that. Now, something happens when we stand in agreement with what God said over us theys. Amen? We are the church. And he's got, Jesus is saying, God is saying, this is what my church is going to do. So if you are able to read that to yourself, read that over yourself, I mean, like sometimes maybe you can get alone at your house and you can shout it over yourself to get that in your spirit about what the Lord has called us days to do. Amen? Chronicles chapter 7, 14. Let's read it. 
This is what God says. He says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. God's church, the vase, is the antidote for this dying world. If you had a life-threatening illness, the one thing that you would do is be like, be quiet, I need to hear what the doctor is saying I need to do. And God is saying, be quiet, let me tell you the resolution for a dying world, it's my church. And let me tell you what they's, the army of they's is going to do. And the thing is that if you are ignorant, because a lot of people uh, fall into destruction because of lack of knowledge, but you will not be ignorant. You will know your calling, and your calling is in Isaiah 61, 1 through 4, because you is a they. And God is saying, if my people, the army of they's, who are called by my name, Christ Christians, Christ Christians that are called by my name, will humble themselves. Listen, let's talk about humble themselves for a second. Because God, being a good, good father, knows what it takes to get his children's attention. The last thing I'm going to do is talk about something important to my son Judah while he's playing Fortnite. Like, dude, he's distracted. He's not listening. I will come home and I will find out he has not done one thing that I asked him to do. Why? Because he was playing Fortnite. And a lot of times, God's people were playing Fortnite, but yet Isaiah 61, 1 and 4 is telling us what us, the armies of vase, should be doing, but we're distracted because we're playing Fortnite, and we have not heard any of our marching orders. So when things happen, it's like, whoa, it's a lot of, it's a lot of stuff going on around here. Yeah, because you, the vase, are not doing what you were supposed to be doing. I know some of you haven't caught it, caught it yet, but you'll catch it in a second. The antidote for this dying world is God's church. We sang about it. The church is alive. This is what it looks like. This is what it sounds like. This is what it feels like when the church is alive and it sounds good to sing it and celebrate it. But some of us are in here sleeping, sleeping on our Isaiah 61, 1 through 4, talking about what the phase is supposed to do. We're saying, yeah, this is what it... God says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, stop romanticizing about their fears, stop romanticizing about their issues that need tissues, if they would just humble themselves long enough to put their stuff aside and hear from heaven... God says, I will heal their land. Who's in the land? Everybody. The whole world is in the land. Because guess what? God's waiting to hear from his people. Because there's some other people that's crying out and yelling out, but that's not his people. God's saying, where's my people who are called by my name? Where's the army of they's to raise up their voice and call forth for the kingdom of heaven to come down and heal the land? For who? The whole world. The army of they's is playing Fortnite when we should be listening and crying out for this dying world, agreeing with heaven. The local church is the hope of the world. And the gift that God has given his church is pastors like John and I to be your spiritual alarm clock, to say, wake up, they's. 
Don't you know you have your marching orders? There's things that we have to do. It's not just about us. It's not just about you. Because sometimes we just get caught up in our goals. You know, I just got to work, you know. I got to get this job, you know what I'm saying? I got to, I got to, I got to, uh, you know, I got goals. I want to get five years in, and I'm going to get this pension, and then I'm going to do this, and then I'm going to do that. So I'm sorry, Lord, I can't help you in the base because I got my own mission and my own goal. Well, God, I'm sorry, I can't help you days because my foot's been swollen. So I'm just going to sit here for a second and look at it, romanticize about how much it hurts and look at how much it's slowing me down. I'm going to romanticize about my issues. I'm going I'm to I'm build it up. I'm going to praise it. I'm going to talk about it over and over again. And every time somebody calls me, I'm like, yeah, well, you know, my foot's swollen. Yeah, it's, it's swollen. Oh, I told you already, but let me tell you what it's doing today. It's really swollen today. When the church of God loses hope, because they're distracted, romanticizing about their own issues that need tissues, we've stepped out of the army of they, and I'm in the army of me. What's going on with me? I want to know how God can help me. Don't he know how they tripping at my job? Don't they know what they said to me, how they treat me, my toe is swollen? God, how you, what you going to do about me? Wow. When the church is not praying, when we're not interceding, there's no hope for the world. How many times have someone said to us, I'm going to pray for you? I don't know about you guys, but some of the most ungodly people has come up to me and be like, you know, I prayed for you. Like, whoo, that's scary. Or things are happening, they're like, you know what, I'm going to pray for you. And you're like, no, they're not. I already know they're not. Okay, well, let's get a little bit more personal. How many times has someone asked you to pray for them and you didn't? Because you devalued the power of your prayer closet. Well, you know, they got real stuff going on. They don't need my little prayers. Wow. But if my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves, stop measuring themselves by themselves, becoming and looking unfoolish, but if my people, who are called by my name, start believing in a holy God... They'll get in their prayer closet and they'll pray heaven down and heal the land for everybody. I'm glad one person got it. God's church is the hope of the world. We are a city that is set on a hill. But some of us have been sitting up here with lights turned off, sleeping. God's church has become a hotel. Yeah, we have vacancy. You can sit right here and go to sleep. I know, it's a little personal. I know, it's a little personal. But the church is supposed to be intercessors, interceding for the world. Do you know the root word for intercessors is interceptors? An interceptor intercedes two points. And they grab the hand of heaven and they grab the hand of the earth because I'm God's people. I'm called by his name. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to talk about what I'm agree with, what's going on in heaven, and I'm going to release it and pour it down into earth, and I'm going to grab the hands of earth, and I'm going to bring them together. I am going to intercept the kingdom of darkness and allow the kingdom of heaven and its righteousness to run rampant on this earth. Why? Because my God is holy, so I'm going to be holy. Psalms 34 and 1 says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praises shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear and be glad. I feel like that second verse, my soul shall make, make its boast in the Lord. It's like you got to say it like that. My soul 
Because your soul deals with your mind and your emotions, how you feel. Well, you know, I'm tired today. I just woke up a little heavy. You know, my coworker said something to me. I'm just a little off. But my soul, it means like bring everything that you're feeling, everything that you're, you're thinking, everything that you're planning to do into subjection with praising the Lord. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord, not in my problems. I'm not going to romanticize about what's going on in my job. I'm not going to romanticize about how I'm feeling in my body. I'm not going to romanticize about what's going on in my mind because I'm not really sure. My soul, everything. Everything within me shall make its boast, not in me, not in my abilities, not with what I got going on, but in the Lord. That's what God's church is supposed to be doing, army of days. Listen, days, we make our boast in the Lord. Some of us have made our problems our anthem. Like, literally, just write a song about it. I mean, my goodness, you're on repeat. Just sing about it. Like, at least it'll be more pleasant hearing over and over again if you just put it into a song. Woo, I'm sorry. A little bit of my, like, issues sometimes being a pastor comes out. It's like, oh, here, here she come again. And tell me about her toe again. Like, can you sing about it this time? Make a rap. I mean, like, my toe. Okay, yes, I got it. Okay, but if we go back to Chronicles 7 and 14, it says, then the humble shall hear and be glad. Notice that that's at the end of the scripture. But the humble shall hear and be glad, which means, which means when you humble yourself enough, remember, getting rid of the romanticizing about your issues, romanticizing about the fear, romanticizing about what's going on. When I humble myself, when I put my issues aside, when I stop thinking about what I want to eat and that I'm hungry and that what my husband said, if I humble myself enough, the Bible says that the humble shall hear and be glad, which means there's something that you should come out of your prayer closet with. If you're coming out of your prayer closet empty-handed, baby, you didn't pray. You didn't humble yourself. Maybe you took your issues with you in there and you and your issues just had a conference call. Like, when you humble yourself enough to get in line with the kingdom of heaven, get in line with the Lord's doing, God's going to tell you something. It's right there in Chronicles 7 and 14. It says, then the humble shall hear and be glad, which means joy comes. I'm sorry, you guys. I get excited. I read my Bible and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit will reveal something I've never seen. I'm like, woo! My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The hearing comes after the humbling. So maybe sometimes you can't hear nothing because you're doing all the talking to yourself. I'm so tired. I'm so tired of this. I'm so tired of being broke. Who going to pay my light bill? What he said. He said that again. Like, oh my gosh. Humble yourself, vase. When the church gets postured in a spirit of gratitude, we become the antidote that this world needs. Notice I didn't say we become the antidote of what we need. Because sometimes, I'm sorry, excuse me, most of the time, the church has decided we're going to be great for us. We's days is going to be great for us. And it's going to be like, look at how great I am. Look at how taken care of I am. Woo, God is good. But in the meantime, there's a community around you dying, which means you they's aren't that great. Because everywhere our feet should tread, there should be victory, not just in our home, but in the land. 
Everybody lives in the land, which means if you live in the neighborhood, that neighborhood is blessed. Amen? James 5 and 16. I know I'm giving you a lot of scripture. It says, confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayers of a righteous man availeth much power. Listen, when my kids come and ask me for something, I'm more prone to give it to them than little Johnny down the street that I don't know. Do you understand the relationship? I'm talking about the relationship, the effectual, fervent prayers of the righteous. Righteous mean within, within right standing with the Lord availeth much power. Y'all not catching my, y'all not catching my power. Okay. Sorry, I'm married to Pastor Random. When my kids ask me something, I'm more prone to give it to them because of our relationship. A greater expectation in, com- in prayer comes when we have a relationship. Think about every relationship that you've ever had in your life. It all started with a conversation. God says, my house shall be known as a house of prayer which means I converse with my people on a regular basis. When my people who are called by my name humble themselves, turn from their wicked ways, I'll hear from heaven. Why? Because we have a relationship. We talk often. So it's like my children coming in to ask their good, good father for something. They're like, babe, what do you need? What's going on? All right, Lord, well, this is going on in the earth. And I want to agree with heaven with what you said is going on in earth. God, I need you to move in a mighty way. I need you to ignite this city on fire by the Holy Ghost. I need the spirit of, 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 of healing. I, need a, I, need, I want to come against this. I want to come against that. God, I, I pray right now, Lord, that you loose this in my city, in my, in my state, right now in the name of Jesus. And he'll heal our land. When Jesus taught us to pray, think about it. His disciples said, Jesus, how should we pray? It's like, okay, well, this is the best guy to teach us about prayer, right? What did he say? He said, when you pray, say, not think, not write it down in your mind. When you pray, say, our father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. That's praising him. Hallowed be thy name. And then what's next? Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. He's teaching us something. My people has the government on their shoulders. My people are the ones that will usher down heaven onto the earth. Jesus is teaching us right there. Thy kingdom come. Thy kingdom come into my workplace. Thy kingdom come into my city. Thy kingdom come into our government right now in the name of Jesus. Let your kingdom come right now in the name of Jesus. Let your will be done in our schools. Let your will be done in our city. Let your will be done in our state of California, God. Let your will loose right now in the name of Jesus. What happens when we decide the church to be the they and pray down the kingdom of heaven? And stop romanticizing to the Lord, telling him how great our problems is. God doesn't want to hear about that. It said it right there in James. Confess your faults one to another. Whatever it is that you need, tell it to your brother. Let him pray for you. In the meantime, get untangled so you can pray the kingdom of heaven down in the earth. Why? Because all your needs are met according to the riches and glory. I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. You don't have to worry about you, boo-boo. You're not going to fall off the earth. But can you pray the kingdom of heaven down? Isaiah 61, that the prison may be loosed get back on your job they's 
and stop worrying about what's going on with you. Whatever is happening in heaven, it needs to be happening on the earth. And we, being God's people, will loose it. We're the bridge from heaven to earth. But we got to get into agreement. But we can't get in agreement if we're playing Fortnite. The effectual, fervent prayers, they're powerful because of the relationship that we have with the Father. The enemy should be shaking in his boots every time your knees hit the ground because you make things happen because of your relationship, not because you're so perfect, not because you're so beautiful, not because you're so this, not because you're so that, not because you know so much scripture, but because of your relationship. What does the Bible say? It says God draws, has no pleasure in a drawback spirit. How many times have we drawn back in our prayers? How many times have we lacked confidence in our prayers? How many times have we been intim- intimidated to open up our mouth and say, and God says, I take no pleasure in that. Because my sons and my daughters should be prophesying, should be declaring the word of God. It's not what you think, it's what you say that looses it in the earth. So I'm here to be your spiritual alarm clock. To wake up the group of they's that's so entangled, so buried in their issues that need tissues that they've romanticized about, that they've embraced, that they hugged, that they sang songs to, that they told everybody about. What happens when you romanticize about somebody? He's so cute, and he said this, and she said that, and I'm really kind of thinking this. That's what we do about our problems. Our problems did this. Our problems did that. You're going like this. You're cupcaking. You're cupcaking with your issues. You're just, you're just cupcaking, whatever that is. I heard the kids saying, but you're cupcaking. <laughs> Hopefully it means what I think it means. Because you never know nowadays. It's like you think you know, and it's like, they're like, Mom, don't say that. So I'll hear that later. Mom, you should not have said cupcaking because cupcaking means something different. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what you say in agreement with the Father shapes the world that we see. Until you really know that and believe that, you'll continue to live a powerless life. You are a toaster that's supposed to be hot and on fire, walking around holding your plug. I'm on fire, y'all. Whew. I, can, I can toast some bread in a second. But because of your lack of relationship, because your lack of confidence, because of your timidity in prayer, you are not plugged in. Woo! But when a spiritual alarm clocks get up here and preach on a Sunday morning and wake up the toasters and all everybody decides to plug in at the same time, start burning bread all over the place, this city gets caught on fire and we say, Holy Spirit is loose because we's is the they. And Jesus is our hype man. Turn to Romans 1 and 16. It says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. Something happens when we're no longer timid. Something happens when we have, when our confidence meter is full to the brim. Something happens about when we know who our daddy is and we know he's got our back. Something happens when we decide to know, oh, I'm the they. Oh, I'm the church. Oh, I'm the hope of the world. Oh, I am a light, a city in the center of a hill. Oh, I'm a lighthouse. Oh, I'm supposed to light this thing on fire. Oh, something happens. 
The scripture says, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. Pastor preached an amazing word that convicted me so deep in my spirit. The Lord said, talk about it. So many of the churches are timid with the truth because they don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. Oh, I don't want to talk about homosexuality because it might hurt somebody's feelings. Oh, I don't want to talk about abortion because it might hurt somebody's feelings. Oh, I don't want to talk about fornicators because we got a lot of fornicators because it might hurt somebody's feelings. But God says, I am holy. We're back to that. God says, I am holy. I am not divided by culture. I am not divided by your friends or your love or your lust for your friends. I'm not divided and there's nothing missing from me. There's nothing taken away from me. I'm still the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. And if you will stand for righteousness, what happens? Here comes repentance. But how can there be repentance if there's no truth? And if there's no repentance, where's the salvation? Salvation happens after the repentance. But if everybody thinks they're not sinning, then there's no true repentance. So what happens? We're in here just singing songs, man, going to hell together. The church has to stand on the truth, flat-footed, unmovable, unshakable. Not because we hate the world, but because we love the world. And we are the antidote for a dying world that's dying and consumed with sin. No truth, no repentance, no repentance, no salvation, no salvation, no I refuse to sit in the pews of a powerless church. So if there's five of us on fire for God, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's light this city on fire. Because guess what? There's a lot of, pa- we have a lot of pastor friends that are like, well, you want to be careful with this, brother. Or you don't want to say this, you know. You want to just bring them in in love. And then the Holy Spirit will tell them on their way home that, you know, you're in sin. No, I'm going to stand on the truth of the word. Because since my God is holy, and because he told me not to be ashamed of the gospel, for the it's the power of God unto salvation then I'm giving it the way he wants me to give it, undiluted, uncut, unchaste, nothing added to it. I'm giving you the truth, baby, full throttle so that there can be true repentance in the house of the Lord. We cannot be ashamed to tell the truth, church, and that's the problem with the church today. The world is speaking so loud, it's quieted us The church, the, the world is creating marches on it. They're creating organizations on sin, saying this is sin and this is great and it's beautiful and look at us, aren't we great? And no one can tell us that we're not great. And the church is saying, oh, well, we better not say nothing. Which means there's no repentance. Which means there's no salvation. Which means there's no power. But if just a few of us can decide to be the theys, hmm, If a few of us will decide to be the they and don't worry about how many seats is getting filled up in the church, don't worry about who's going to stop paying their tithes, but when we decide to be the they and let loose the kingdom of heaven right here on earth, everything changes. Because sometimes us church people can sit in church and say, God just loves us because we're in church. John 3, 16, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son 
to be a sacrifice and example to the church, which is the hope of the world, so that the church can go out and be the vase and preach the truth and preach the gospel so that there is repentance and salvation in the land and the land will be healed. It all comes back to what you're going to do. That's what it comes back to. What are you going to do? John 6 and 44, it says this, no one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him and I will raise him up at the last day. A lot of us think we just wake up one day and be like, you know what? I'm going to get saved. That's what I'm going to do. Yeah, I'm going I'm to get saved. I'm going to give my life to Jesus. I decide I'm going to go ahead and do that next week. I'll do that. Yeah, I'll do that. I'll do that. That doesn't happen. Why? Because the flesh and the spirit, they're contrary. Everything in your flesh is saying, no. Everything in your flesh is saying, but listen to what the world says about the church. You don't want to be one of them because that'll isolate you from all the those. So you don't want to be a they because if you're a they, then that means you're not one of those. It's like that time that Jesus drew a land, a drew in the sand. Ooh, so good. Jesus still drawing lines in the sand. You going to be a they? Are you going to be a those? But either way, if you're feeling in your heart, I want to give my life to Jesus. Guess what? That's a personal invitation that the Holy Spirit has come up to you and say, hey, I'm going to draw you to the Father. Every single one of us should be rejoicing in our heart that I've been included in the invitation. Because I didn't come to this realization by myself. It was the Holy Spirit that says, I'm going after Kaya. Kaya's going to be a they. I don't know about you, but that makes me excited. Because on the last day, there's going to be a herd of sheep and there's going to be a herd of goats. And guess what? I want to be a they. So one of the things you need to know is that God's not asking you to do this by yourself. He's not asking you to climb up Mount Everest backwards by yourself like this impossible thing. No, guess what? The Holy Spirit is holy. I know, I know, blew your mind, right? The Holy Spirit is holy, which means the Holy Spirit isn't at Starbucks right now having coffee, like on a break. Like, Holy Spirit takes no breaks. Holy Spirit's main goal, main mission every moment Every second, every day is to bring people to salvation, to bear the truth, to tell people of things to come. The Holy Spirit is on his job, and all the Holy Spirit needs is a little help from the days. Where's the days? Where's the days? Where's the days? Get him, get him, get him, get him. I've been telling him, I've been telling him, I gave him dreams, I've been telling him, get him, get him, get him. You're like, whoa, I don't want to offend him, you know, I might offend him with the gospel. I might, you know, I don't know, you know, maybe if he asked me to pray for him, maybe then I'll, you know. But the Holy Spirit is drawing people. Listen, Nays, the Holy Spirit is drawing people to his church. And the Bays is standing off to the side saying, oh, I don't know. He don't look like he really want Jesus or talk about Jesus right now. And the Holy Spirit's like, come on. You guys just help me out. I'm drawing them by my spirit. I just need a little confirmation to come and use your words and say something. What's that song going? Say something, I'm giving up. Okay. All right. But it goes back to Isaiah 61. Man, do your job. Do your job, days. There's a great work for the building of Christian, the building Christian fellowship to do. 
And I'm going to tell you one thing. I'm on it. I am going to be mission laser focused on doing our job because I know that the Holy Spirit got our back and the Holy Spirit is doing the dirty work behind the scenes. Amen. So it all comes back to, do you love me? It all comes back to, do you love me? Because the journey is going to get hard. The journey, the journey is going to get difficult. When you start hearing about somebody crucifying you upside down, when you start hearing about somebody like, say, Jesus, let me boil you in oil. Okay, that could get a little distracting. And Jesus asking, do you love me? Because the role you're about to take as a they, you're going to be opposed by all of those. But the question is, do you love me? Because if you love me, it'll always draw you back. Because perfect love casts out all fear. Fear of those, fear of being isolated, fear of being left out, fear of being rejected, fear of being tortured, fear of imprisonment. Perfect love casts out all fear. That people are going to be like, why is she able to stand with her head up and her chest out? Saying the peace that surpasses all understanding is encompassing me. That even if I have to stand by myself, I will stand as a they until the day I take my last breath. Because Jesus hyped me up in Isaiah 61 and I'm going to walk it out. I'm going to pray and I'm going to agree in my prayers. I'm going to sing about it. I'm going to declare about it. Why? Because I want to stand in agreement with all of heaven that the kingdom of heaven, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's for the vase to say. That's our script. That's our song. It's for us. If you ask me the dreams that I have for my kids, man, I can give you a mouthful. But I'm careful about what I speak over my kids because I want them to walk out the footsteps that the Lord has for them. I want to give them God-sized dreams. Any parent should. Because sometimes our dreams and the things that we put on them, it could be a little faulty. But when God put his dreams on them, woo-wee, the Holy Spirit says, yep, I got you. I'll be your quarterback. I'll be your coach. I'll be your defensive line. I got you. So I want to, I want to read a God-sized dream that I want to be in every single one of our hearts. And this is what we're going to pray, and this is what we're going to declare, and this is what we're going to agree with all the days of our life. Acts 2, 17 through 21, and it says this, And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God. Woo! God's dreaming, you guys. Something happens when God starts dreaming, when God starts saying about what's going to happen, when Papa God sits in his chair and he says, In the last days. I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons, your daughters, they shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And on my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And they shall prophesy. I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath. Blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Woo! 
If this is burning in my Lord's heart, I want it burning in mine. If it's burning in God's heart, I want it burning in mine. I want to stop being distracted about what I got going on, what I want to do, what my big toe is doing, what my daughter's doing, what my son's doing. I don't want to romanticize about a dying world that's fading by the second. I want to romanticize about what Acts 2, 17 through 21 says. In the last days, my son and my daughter, they will prophesy. My sons will dream dreams. The Spirit of God will be poured out. I want to agree with it. Something happens when we open our mouth and we agree with heaven. We become the army of vase that the Lord can shape this earth with. It all goes back to, do you love me? Do you love me? Because if you love me, feed my sheep. If you love me, can you pray for your pastors that they won't give up? that they'll keep their hands on the gospel plow, that they'll continue to be the spiritual alarm clocks to awaken their people. Do you love me? If you love me, can you teach your children and train them up in the way that they shall go, that they won't depart from it? Will you, do you love me? If you love me, can you please disciple your brother? That, can you please say something to your coworker? Can you please say something to your, to your sister? Can you, do you love me? Because if you love me, then you allow the kingdom of heaven to be filled in your heart so that the kingdom of heaven can fill this earth. Do you love me? Because if you love me, it doesn't matter how burnt up the ribs are, you won't go running and hiding. When everybody comes in and sees your burnt up ribs and they're like, wow, it won't distract you. You won't run away. And I get really emotional thinking about this because I don't know how many times I've been that burnt up rib. I have been burnt up. I'm talking about just messing up. One minute I'm holy and on fire and I'm, and I'm prophesying. Blah, blah, blah. And then the next minute I'm falling on my face and I'm just, I'm talking about Peter level failures. But God's looking down. Every time I fall on my face, he looks down and he says, do you love me? Because if you love me, you'll get up. You'll get up and you'll feed my sheep. There's work to do, church. There's a community to shape. There's a city that's ready to be set on fire. There's a neighborhood that you live in that needs to hear about Jesus. And the Holy Spirit is saying, I just need some teamwork. Because teamwork makes the dream work. Do you love me? Because if you love me, you'll take those burnt up ribs and you'll feed everybody. You'll feed everybody and you'll let God do the miracle. Do you know at that party we had the most, just the best fellowship ever? Because it was like the food wasn't a distraction because the food wasn't good, even though they all lied and said it was. Like the food was not good. But the fellowship, (laughs) I love you, Pastor. The fellowship was so pure because you knew, man, look at them piling up their plate with those burnt up ribs. They love me. They love me. And God is saying that. He's saying, I know these people out here is crazy. I know your cousin Poo Poo or whatever his name is. I know he's crazy. He's a burnt up rib. But if you can just tend to my sheep, feed them the word, show them through your your good works, let them eat of your fruit, long-suffering, kindness, meekness, self-control, patience. If you let them eat of your good, good fruit, I can do something great with that burnt up rib. Woo! 
Everything's not always going to be perfect. Sometimes things are going to be messy. It happens here at church. We love each other. But sometimes people step on my foot emotionally. They get on my nerves. They say something. But it doesn't matter. We're all the burnt up ribs. We're not perfect, you guys. I know you guys think you got it worked out and you got your little five-year plan and you got your five savings account. And you like, dude, I'm doing this. Bang. But if you are not rooted in the house of the God, of house of the Lord, if you don't have a right relationship with the Lord, it's like a tree that's been, somebody dug a hole and put the tree with no root system. Guess what? A haughty spirit comes before a great fall. You're about to fall on your face. Why? Because the root of everything is tied to the Lord. It's the Lord that gives us the ability to obtain wealth. It says it in the scripture. It all goes back to him. So he's asking, so do you love me? Because if you love me, you'll feed my sheep. You'll make sure that the mission is going forward at the building. You'll make sure that my, the, the, the kingdom of heaven is being loosed in your community, in your city, in your workplace. You'll be the light. You'll be the hope. You'll be the antidote for a dying world. Amen? Stand to your feet. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Listen, I want to invite someone to have to make this one of the most awesome days ever. This word was not burning in my heart on accident. Somebody says, I want to answer, yes, Lord, I do love you. Even though I've turned my back on the church, even though I've done this or whatever it is, I don't know your story, but the Lord is asking somebody here today, so do you love me? Because if you do, I want you to make this public declaration that no matter how hard the journey gets, no matter how far uphill I got to go walking backwards, I know the Holy Spirit's got my back and I want to answer, yes, Lord, I do love you. If that's you, if you're in here today, I want to invite you to come up to the front. I want to pray with you. I want to agree with you. I want to strengthen you with the word of God. I want to celebrate you. If that's any of you, don't wait for anybody. Don't worry about who's watching you. Don't worry about who's looking around. I want to invite you to come to the front right now. This is your moment to make a public declaration of what you want to say yes to in the Lord's life. If that's any of you, please come up front right here, right now. This is your moment. That's all the time we have for this episode of the Annex Podcast. But we encourage you to get connected with us by downloading and using our TBCF app today. Or you can visit our website at tbcf.life. That's tbcf.life. Until next time, thanks for stopping by to the Annex Podcast.